Hello, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dave. I'm here with Emily, and we are talking to Namrata Shah, who is a managing director for PwC, but she's also an AWS community hero, runs her own YouTube channel, and kind of a DevOps wizard, who I had the pleasure of meeting in Seattle at our Hero Summit. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule today and come talk to us. Absolutely, Dave and Emily. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Does everyone know what PWC is? PricewaterhouseCooper? You just gave away. I'm just, you know. You just answered. You didn't even give us time, Emily. That's, we all leaned true. in and we wanted that's to true. test our knowledge. I, I should have let awkward silence. That's good. I tease. I tease. Okay. Go ahead. Continue. I, I just, I, I don't like acronyms. Oh, PWC does stand for PricewaterhouseCooper, but... Uh, we have a very strong presence in tax, audit, accounting. At the same time, PwC is now becoming uh, a, a prominent player in the consulting world as well. So I personally, I have uh, 22 years of consulting experience, oh my right? all in IT consulting, all in application development, migration, modernization. And uh, yeah, I have been in this business for a very, very long time. You must have wild stories. I mean, just... I do. 20 year, 22 years of consulting, like the things you have seen. Poof. Yeah, across different geographies of the world, yes. Yes. Yeah, and and leading teams too. I remember in the Seattle Summit and we were in one of, well, a couple different, we brought in a couple different service teams and you were the one in there that is like, look, this is what actually happens in real world, right? Like this is how my team looked at it. This is how my developers look at it. This is actually how this process works in cloud from what I've seen. And, you know, informing all of these different tech companies of, of all that stuff. And I, you know, that shows through the experience. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? Sure. Just like Emily was asking, like, what are these real world problems? Like walk us through, um, you know, some of that, those things you've learned. No, absolutely. I mean, for a very long time, DevOps was a buzzword. I still remember uh, I used to play the role of a national DevOps architect at one of my previous organizations. But uh, And people used to actually ask me, is DevOps even real? Like, is this just a theory or is it real? And I used to say it's real. And they will ask me, like, prove it. Like, what is what is that is that DevOps that's going to do for me, right? So if you're really going to see, there are some very critical problems that DevOps can help you solve. Right? So the first thing is, you know, most I've been a developer myself. I'm sure that you guys have been developers. And let's be honest, right? Most of the developers don't test. So there is no unit testing. Uh, unit testing sometimes is not done. It's typically done by QA. We just develop code and if required, we'll test in production, right? Uh, <laughs> But that's me being a developer. But uh, DevOps actually forces you to do that because there's automated unit testing, there's automated functional testing. Every time you check in the code, uh, you know, the build happens. And uh, during the build process, there is a cycle of unit testing that also goes along with it, right? So if you've broken something, then uh, that will immediately get flagged. And overall, this helps to improve the quality. In fact, in, in the real world, I still remember we used to have something called as a wall of shame. So wall of shame would be not like wall of fame, but wall of shame is if you broke the build, right? Then you are the, the word that we used to use was culprit. Then oh my gosh, talk about blameless culture. No? <laughs> <laughs> and your name would go up like, okay, you are the one who checked in. You did not ensure that things were uh, latest and greatest. And now all of these tests have failed. This build has failed. And now your name is up on the wall of shame. 
And the moment you implement something like that, that's when people are like, okay, you know, let me let me be very careful. I do not want to go up over there. And I definitely don't want to go home and then come back or go home and log in again. So it is it improved the overall quality of the product that we were actually trying to build. So that is one of the real world problems that DevOps helped us solve. Of course, the business was very happy because it reduced the overall time to market. So if there's any new feature, oh, you know, a peer is doing this or a competition is doing that, you know, how much time is going to take to get this thing out? And during waterfall days and non-agile days, we used to say, okay, it's going to take you three months. And by the time you've developed the feature, it's already done. With Agile and DevOps, the, the, the delivery velocity went up. We could do in bits and pieces, and we could have some features deployed in absolutely no time for the business to take a look. So that helped the overall, uh, you know, the time to market, and the business was very happy. And of course, we reduced the cycle time of, of number of cycles that we used, the testing cycles, right? So every time, uh, as I said, a check-in is made or a build happens, a test cycle automatically runs behind the scene. So you're not caught off guard with anything else. And another thing, not just DevOps, but DevSecOps, if I have to just expand that a little bit, security has always been, and you can say an afterthought, perhaps uh, right from the beginning, I guess. You don't think about it, right? At if the it's end, a thought at all, it's an afterthought. <laughs> yes. yeah, it's, it's only when something happens or, okay, now we have to um, you know, secure this website or, hey, there was um, a breach somewhere. That's when you start yes. thinking about security. Yeah. But DevOps, DevSecOps basically ensures that you start thinking about security um, right from the beginning and it's part of the overall process. So, yes, there are some real-world problems that DevOps helps to kind of, you know, uh, solve along with, of course, having like fail fast, right? Getting a continuous feedback loop from the business. So if there was something wrong, if it was some, if you did, if you developed something that the business did not like, or your users did not like, your stakeholders were not happy with it, you rather, uh, you know, change your directions, you know, have uh, your stories and sprints changed immediately after, let's say, a couple of uh, features that you put out, rather than waiting all the way till the end in, the, in a waterfall or, or a non-Agile and DevOps world, and then figure out just to know that, hey, this is not what was wanted. So that fail fast in the continuous feedback loop is another benefit and another problem that was solved by DevOps. So yes, it does have some real-world uh, advantages and real-world problems to solve, and it's not just a theory that a whole lot of people used to think about. That makes complete sense. Um, it's funny too, because like you mentioned testing. I I started in Ruby and mm -hmm. Ruby and Rubyists have such a strong adherence to testing and TDD, uh, sure. the group where I, I learned. And then being thrust into the Java community and I, I started writing the test. They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, doing my job what are you doing <laughs> so yeah yeah testing i think is, is is the key but as developers let's be honest right i mean do most of the developers actually don't test right there are very few developers let's say if there was manual testing and not automated unit testing how many developers are going to write a piece of code and say okay now let's go and test this Let's go and figure out if this thing breaks or not. In fact, you will the the most common line that you'll hear from developers is that it works on my machine. 
So if it works on my machine, if it, if it works on, in my environment, it should work somewhere else. But that's where, again, infrastructure as code and things like that can help you with having some stable environments. Right? So that environment stability and a couple of other problems are also solved by DevOps. So I didn't touch base upon that earlier, but that's another thing that can help developers overall. So yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been a fun ride so far, living in the world of DevOps in Asia, coming out of especially uh, a, a very waterfall kind of an environment. Um, what do you think about cloud development environments and how those might be able to kind of level the playing field with this works on my machine problem? I mean, cloud development certainly helps. As I said, it, it helps with stabilization. You can use infrastructure as code. You can use DevOps to provision your environment. You can have stable pipelines. You can have templated environments as well, right? So let's say if you create one template, you create a stable environment, you know all of your dependencies are there, then that environment can be replicated very, very easily across different, let's say, tenants, subscriptions, accounts, whatever you want to say, right? So depending upon uh, what you are trying to achieve. But if, if stability is, is what you are trying to achieve, and uh, and the and the ability to reproduce and have your environment stood up in no time, the certainly cloud environment is the way to go. In fact, nowadays uh, most of the application development, especially since I came from the app dev world, is all on cloud. We don't do any, we hardly do anything on prem, and especially after COVID, because everybody was working remote. Uh, I mean the demand for cloud just shot up. Everybody, some people were forced to go to cloud during COVID, but after COVID, I mean, I'm still using the word after COVID pretty loosely. There's some parts of the world that still have COVID. But after the pandemic, you, I can rest assure you that earlier, uh, when I used to talk with clients, I had to make a business case as to why you should go to cloud. You know, why you should consider cloud as as your core platform? Why should you host your applications over there? Why you should migrate and modernize your applications on cloud, right? Now that is no longer needed. I don't need to create that business case. It's the CI or the CTO on the other side uh, would actually step up and say that, okay, you know, let's go to the cloud. We want this on cloud because we want it to be accessible. We want it to be available, highly scalable. We do not want to deal with all of those mundane issues that our teams used to deal with earlier. We don't want to deal with any kind of infrastructure issues. And if we can outsource that, then our teams can focus uh, on what is really necessary. That's our overall business. So yeah, having a, having a good cloud environment that is stable, that is uh, that you can reproduce easily, right? And uh, you're definitely using infrastructure as code as part of your overall DevOps pipelines. Uh, absolutely, that's that's the way to go. And, and that's what is currently the industry standard as well. What was the journey like with developer tooling as you implemented DevOps? Because you gave a unique insight across cloud as new platforms were coming out, whether it was AWS or not, how your developers actually used that day to day. And I almost, I almost want to ask you, like, Nam, if, if money was not an objective, what could we build today that doesn't exist to make these processes better from a tooling perspective for you and your teams? Yeah, DevOps tooling, has, Dave, has been very, very complicated. I mean, you might have also seen that yeah. picture, right? That whole uh, 
that whole graph with that has a zillion tools on it and trust me it's not just my team it's, it's every team that has struggled like okay what is the best tool to do a specific task and of course there were some industry standards that were set in terms of like hey you do uh you'd go with OpenStack, or we've also used azure devops uh, we of course use the entire aws devops pipeline um, depending upon you know whatever your your team is comfortable with i would suggest go ahead with that but typically uh what we use in the earlier days was jira jenkins right to basically build deploy and have our user stories and everything set in we use sonar cube uh for uh overall code analysis and checks i think which was the other one that we used uh, i'm kind of forgetting some of the names of those of, of those tools right now but yeah those that tooling has been uh, a challenge from first and to answer your question if money was not a problem then i would have something that is basically of course one-stop shop something that can address all the devops problems as much as possible right and most importantly uh, built in some ai so i would want to use that money for some kind of an innovation in terms of whether it is having better reporting better better dashboarding better deployment of your applications you know something that has a little intelligence behind the scenes that can uh, that can have a better monitoring and logging going behind the scenes to extract that information develop some data patterns and then leverage that information to kind of let's i would say do a better deployment next time around and also give you some suggestions like hey if you if you do this like you know let's say for example uh, if you have your if you have your use cases in for this particular uh, like your user stories etc and you have a proper acceptance criteria defined or uh, with so and so points then it will be easier for me to have an automated test developed and it will be easier for you to check in and it will be easier to ensure that the build is successful because all your tests will pass or while you are developing and you're trying to check in the code as i was telling you earlier the biggest problems that we used to have was someone checked in the code and then broke the build even before you you check in if there was some kind of an intelligence that would say that hey uh, it is in a way kind of right now that hey you don't have the latest and the greatest version but while you're while you're typing your code right even even before you check and if some if there was an intelligence that could say that hey you know this is not going to compile get the latest and greatest and then start typing again yeah that would help a lot so i would basically want to develop some kind of and let's say intelligent uh, devops or ai ops whatever you want to say yeah yes and and the being an executive myself another thing that i can say is the dashboards right? so you see all these dashboards as a team create they're awesome but again over there if there was some kind of a predictability like okay uh, you know this has been the next build or can be predicted this is the typical pattern that your team uh, let's say does a check in after every 10 minutes or every 15 minutes right and uh, you know this is when you can ex- expect the next release to come out depending again on all the data patterns and the data that has been captured that would help executives like me a lot yeah. in terms of what to expect uh going forward in the future having some kind of uh, a foresight would be the right word certain amount of predictability in terms of what to expect and also some suggestions in terms of what all can be recommended 
to improve the overall process from where the process is right now and how the team is performing right now that hey if you uh if if you basically let's say enable your teams with a specific training uh because most of the bugs are uh, let's say related to a, a, a specific area like you know when whenever they code anything that's related to let's say iam there are always some bugs over there does not compile or uh, it breaks uh, uh, it breaks at, at that specific juncture somewhere in the overall process i'm just giving an example right now that's a kind of predictability or recommendations uh, will help so anything that can give additional insights and foresight that is what i would use that unlimited money the bucket of money that that <laughs> dave is going to give the leprechaun i love it it's all about uh, ai these days right so we have intelligent apps we have everything that is intelligent we want a self driving car right we want ai everywhere actually ai is part of everything that we do in our life right from ordering a, a pizza to whether we do a production deployment right so even ordering a pizza people don't realize but the the delivery time that you see on on the on on the screen the pizza is going to come in 20 minutes or 25 minutes that is a lot of ai that's going behind behind the scenes over there and there's a data pattern that tells you that at this time of the day uh, on this day on this route at this particular address it takes about 20 to 25 minutes so any i love yeah it's time. like you're making your you're making your coffee or your tea mm-hmm. and all of a sudden there's like a screen in your house and it's like there's a 97% probability that a build's going to break right now. <laughs> you're like, "All right, who do I need to put up under this wall of shame?" And you're like, you know, like and then it's like you see the port of L like sweating, you know, at the top. And it yeah, it it's funny you reminded me because you said I am. I just saw a funny meme. It was like the three horsemen of the apocalypse. It was I am VPC and S3 bucket permissions. Okay. They're like the three things that are usually when you're building, you know, in the cloud that are going to be where you're getting unforeseen fun from. And so that's great. I think, you know, we have a have you messed around with DevOps Guru or Cloud Guru or any of those kind of developer tools? That's one of the things, you know, I talked to that team a little bit about of looking at where like we can we could kind of see patterns, right? We know where our team is going to run into issues. Mm-hmm. And then having a a tooling that actually can look at my own code base you know the way that code whisperer um starts to look at patterns of actually creating and i love where your head's at it's it's thinking in process looking at historically in this process based on these new variables and all of this stuff is going on where are my current day concerns yes and, and everybody's concerns are going to be very different right dave so every yeah. team is is very different so it would be good to have those concerns acknowledged as long as we can have them acknowledged and connected and addressed for our teams let's say and code whisperer i personally like that a lot because i think when i was there for the the hero summit i saw the the snippet coming up like yeah write a function for so and so and it basically i think there's a one or two second delay and then the whole function just pops up and you're like yeah, yeah. that's awesome i remember those days when being developers we used to go on the web and trying to download things from web i'm sure you've also done that kind of download a piece of code now we don't need to do that now the code is already written for you you just have to basically tell what you need and that code uh, will be kind of let's say at least a skeleton code will be written out for you and then all that you need to do is just make some changes so that's a really super cool idea i really like that yeah and we just had brian tarbox on talking about code whisperer uh-huh. and because you know I'm doing hello world stuff it's not too complex popping up 
but you can actually do natural language queries. So you could be like, give me an array of, and it'll just do that. <laughs> you know, so the ability to do that across everything, I think is amazing. By the way, I'm actually recording a series on my own YouTube channel, uh, which is AWS Heroes in Conversation. And uh, my intention is to have at least one episode or one one video with uh, with each and every AWS hero as much as I can. So my intention is to have Brian and a couple of others to come. Right, so I've already had uh, Elliot Cordo, I've had uh, Dave Stuffecker, and I think the next one on the list is Brian. So I'm planning to have all of these guys come in and have a conversation, picking up a specific topic. The whole, can can you, for folks who don't know, we haven't actually done a podcast on this yet. Can okay. you talk a little bit about no ops, AI ops, like what what this is all about in now that we're talking about machine learning and AI in this place of like, how do you see that helping with the things that you've discussed, like automation and stability and faster time to market? And are you using any of that kind of stuff today uh, at PwC? Uh, we're not yet there, but we are trying to get there. Let's just put it that way. right? So right now we are using a lot of standard DevOps, DevSecOps. We are in the process of going in the direction of AI ops, but the ultimate aim would be to go in the direction of no ops. No ops is basically, we don't want any operations. Everything is there all in place. Uh, you have your, uh, let's say I can go and and basically uh, tell Alexa, hey, can you provision an environment for me to deploy a web service? And everything that is related to a web service will be deployed. So I don't have to take any, I don't have to take any pains of, of, of dealing with operations or uh, provisioning the servers or anything of that sort. It's just, hey, can you do this? Something very similar to what Code Whisperer does right now for developers. Like, hey, can you give me a snippet for for an array of, uh, to basically write an array or to, uh, let's say, to, to have prime numbers sorted or, or add two numbers or anything of that sort. Right? So it's just a, a problem statement uh, kind of an approach where you say that, hey, I want an environment for this. So let's say I want to, uh, can you provision an environment for, for me to host S4HANA in cloud? And the environment will be provisioned. Of course, you have to give some parameters. But as much as reduce dependency on operations is what we are striving for. And that's when we say no ops. Not sure how realistic or how close we can get to that. But as much as possible, as I said, like even if I have to give a few parameters, let's put it that way, and call an API and say that, hey, can you do this? And it will figure out everything on its own. That's what we are trying, trying to strive in the for the future. And AI ops, as I said earlier, is basically figuring out different ways that we can make operations intelligent. Right. So something uh, that I use personally with my teams is developing intelligent applications. So earlier, people used to ask me, what is intelligent applications? So those are applications that have AI embedded in it in some form or the other. Like, for example, uh, we are working for this large financial services client, and they said that every time, let's say, Dave logs in and Dave buys, uh, you know, scripts or, or securities for healthcare. So every time Dave logs in, we need to give them him recommendations that, hey, this is one of the best security as per the current portfolio that you have. And, uh, you know, this is what you should buy. These are some of the securities which are currently extremely high. Maybe you should sell them. It's a good selling point as well as a good buying point. So something like that. So we are trying to develop these intelligent applications. 
So we are trying to bring that very same intelligence now into our overall operations. Like, okay, if I want to deploy a simple website, right? I don't need to have a PhD for that. I need that recommendation to come that, okay, go ahead, provision this EC2 instance. This is the type of instance you need, right? This is the type of uh, uh, EBS volume that you will need, right? This is the amount of RAM you need. And it will overall provision that kind of environment for you. So that entire, not just environment provisioning, but depending upon the type of application that you're planning to deploy, if it's a static website, uh, if it has certain security requirements, if it has certain regulatory requirements or compliance requirements, if all of that can be built as part of my overall operations uh, and DevOps pipeline, if that can be pre-thought, right? If that foresight can be provided, that recommendations can be provided, that's what we are trying to build as part of our overall AI ops and eventually trying to go in the direction of no ops where we can have those ready-made templated environments that can be provisioned with a very simple ask like, hey, Alexa, can you do this? So that would be that would be really very, very cool if we yeah. can get to that level. But uh, not yet there. We'll probably be there in a, in a few years. We'll get there. So what's got, what's got you excited? What's got you yeah. Tooling. Of, of tooling. It could be anything. Uh, what gets me excited mostly when it comes to uh, specifically to DevOps or maybe just in general is people. Of course, tooling is part of the mix. Uh, but I've always been a very people person. I've led user groups in the past. I do a lot of spe- speaking engagements. I run my own YouTube channel. But anything that can help people, whether it's your business, whether it's your developers, whether it's your clients, right? We... Uh, anything that can help to solve problems. So my passion is solving problems. My passion is technology. And if I can use that to aid and enable people, right, uh, that would be my passion. And outside of that, my passion is playing tennis. Oh, nice. We got to talk. We'll talk more about that offline. Where can where can folks find you? If they want to follow you. And I'll uh, add it to the show notes. You can find me on LinkedIn or you can find it on my YouTube channel as well, right? So those are the two places where you can find me. Just go to uh, YouTube and search for my name, Namrata Shah, or on LinkedIn as well. And you'll find me there. Perfect. All right. I'll add it to the show notes. I super appreciate this. This was great. Thank you so much for taking the time. Absolutely, Dave. Thanks for having me. We lost Emily. She oh, muted herself. Oh, no, she's there. I think she's just muted. Yeah. Sorry. She muted herself. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Hold on. I have to write down when Emily <laughs> muted herself. Like a great right. Nine minutes. We can hear you now, Emily. So, okay. you're fine. so I think Emily disappeared. <laughs> oh, saying- sorry. You can't hear me or anything? It's saying she's... <laughs> She, she's, she's recovering. She's recovering. So. It's okay. She's with us in spirit. She can always. Uh, no, hopefully, she can join. So us. I have nine minutes, ten seconds. Emily muted herself. I need to edit out.
12 minutes, 20 seconds. Emily disappeared offline. I need to fix. So right, can you not hear take... me at all? We can hear you now, but it's saying offline. What the hell? Which means you may not be recording. Well, Do it you should want to locally. I'm so, it says I'm recording. Uh, okay, so then you should send me your local stuff. Okay. All right, so I have a... So do you, I love your, this is, I got to edit Dave's. This is me like trying to cut out preamble. I want to okay. ask this succinctly. 